senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It is episode 87, recorded in the actual studio, on time. In our home office. With some preparation actually done for the show. And and I think he slept last night. Uh, I did, and I have not been sleeping well recently. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you listen to last week's show... Yeah, we uh, had an offer come in on the home office. We had put an offer out for a new home office. Things are still a little bit up in the air, but it looks like everybody's come to a deal. So that meant no open houses this weekend. So And you didn't horrify anybody's intern as far as you know? I'm sure I horrified somebody because I, I did a lot of talking to real estate people while shit-faced this week. <laughs> because, yeah, amazingly, if you listen to the show, you know I deal with stress in a healthy way with whiskey. <laughs> and <laughs> So I would I would go to my day job and come home and begin drinking heavily and just wait for the phone to ring with the latest, you know, oh, uh, yes, the potential buyers of your home, uh, they really love the house, uh, except they think that the entire heating and cooling system should be condemned, <laughs> doused in holy water, and burned, if only for the residual heat that it could provide in that particular condition. Also, could you tear up all of your floors? Yes, yeah, so your floors, which were exposed as floors during the open house. It turns out we hate them, and we hate you. But leave your window treatments. Yeah, leave your curtains for some reason. <laughs> now, the custom tile floor that was there when you moved in, ugh, but ooh, Walmart chic on the walls. That's no, no, fucking no, no, glorious. No. This shit's Target. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking forgive me. There's, there's money bags over here. <laughs> So, yeah, we have come to an official, yep, these are the dollar amounts uh, agreements on both properties. Inspections have been done. Later on this week, Amanda and I need to go to a lawyer, and for once we can tell them the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And just hand them checks for about 80% of the entirety of our net worth until this place closes. What's it like to have a conversation that doesn't involve plausible deniability? I, I... Plausible deniability will still be involved, just in case I want to punt on this whole deal. But yeah, so it's going to be a weird two or three weeks of, okay, the deal's done, but now we have to wait to close, and the closing has to happen on the second day, so we need to start investigating movers. And I, my parents are very excited about this whole project, because they're now in the house they're going to die in. I've decided. That's just where That's it's going to happen. morbid. <laughs> no, they know what they did. I'll go undercover a dark. No, I love my parents, but no, they're excited about it. But it's really weird because, yeah, it's Crisis on Infinite Midlives. I'm I'm in my 40s, but uh, for some reason, it, I, it doesn't feel like that when I talk with my parents. So there's like uh, when you get movers, get the movers that'll pack everything for you, which sounds stupid to me because I'm perfectly capable of jamming crap into boxes to save a little money. And that's what we did when we moved here. But that was almost 10 years ago. That's what we did to declutter. Yeah, but but my parents are like, you're not getting any younger. You get someone to do it. It'll take all your time. I'm like, I can cram stuff in a box. Yeah, but meanwhile, you know, I'm considering how this is all going to impact Parker, the, the home office mascot. And I like the idea of holding up in a room with him while everybody else does work. 
this is still going to be a two-day project if we hire somebody <laughs> to come in. Just yeah. saying. I don't know entirely how we're going to do that. I mean, it's weird to be in a position that we got such a ridiculous amount of money for this shit splat place. <laughs> that we, shiny nickel. That we love very much, but this is a starter home, for Christ's sake. It is. It very much is. Just goes to show property values in the Northeast are freaking weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been watching entirely too much HGTV. Yes, you have. And Entirely too much. <laughs> I, I keep seeing like they, they, they bring these people on these these shows to... These houses that are fucking palatial. Oh, this is 3,000 square feet with four bedrooms and two and a half baths. And there's an outside patio with a hot tub. What do you think this would go for? Um, here? I think it would go for $800,000. That's what I think it would go for. Yeah. Possibly nine. And they're, wherever the hell they are, I, I don't know where, uh, flyover country, perhaps. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like $250,000 at the top of your budget. Where the hell do you live? <laughs> you got to keep in mind, there are large swaths of not just the United States, but the world where people actively don't want to be and are trying to get out of. And every, every Springsteen song is about those places. I guess. It's just, uh, this is where you get away from. Why do they want to get away? The property came with a hot tub. It came with a hot tub and fucking corn for a hundred miles in every direction. Yeah. And later in the episode, they always discover the black mold. <laughs> the black mold, the KKKs around the corner. There's a locust plague. <laughs> you know, the, the earth is rent asunder by earthquakes. It's true. It's true. So, <laughs> no, it's a, like a wise man once said in Boston: the worst you get is blizzards, and all you need are beer and toilet paper. This is true. No, tornado alley. Yeah, they should pay you to live there. That's true. I'm sure it's beautiful, but. <laughs> Waking up and every every car horn, is this the siren that means I'm going to die? I can't live under that kind of stress. No. Same thing with California. California is beautiful. I love San Diego, but the idea that the earth could just erupt under my feet while wildfire pins me to the fucking coastline, (laughs) I'm not sure I could live like that. Yeah. Is today the day we fall into the sea? I mean, it, (laughs) it was a big pain in the ass securing one bookshelf so the cat wouldn't knock it over. I mean, securing everything we own to the walls and... You know, having just, I'd, I'd have to spray paint a big X of this is where you dive in a fucking earthquake. <laughs> if you can't make it to the front door, here's the arch where you'll be found dead. <laughs> so there's, there's big places in the world that just, I can't imagine living there. Yeah, it would have to be really cheap for me to do it. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I like Boston. We got blizzards. Once every 20 years, we have a hurricane. We don't even have the Irish mob anymore. We got to go see Black Mass this week. We should do that. Get in on Whitey's legend. <laughs> <laughs> so, Meanwhile, what does any of this have to do with comic books, Rob? Not a goddamn thing. The one thing it does have to do is uh, right now various dates on when these things, uh, when we're going to be packing up and moving, uh, still need to be figured out. When internets will be available are unsure. This will probably have some effect. Uh, at various times, I'm guessing over the next five or six weeks as to when episodes are available. Right now, the plan is to continue plugging them out, even if we have to sit in the car with my portable recorder and <laughs> no microphones, just you know, under under the light of the street light outside the 7-Eleven reading comic books. <laughs> we will continue to do episodes. When this is all said and done, we'll have a nice new permanent studio Shows will be right back on schedule, but things are going to be up in the air as all our earthly belongings, including 
the shit that we're recording and broadcasting this on uh, are jammed into boxes by, you know, either uh, us or either meth heads or, or movers. <laughs> so <laughs> we will try to keep you aware. Uh, certainly, the, if you're interested, curious, want to know ahead of time, keep an eye on our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We'll try to post information there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for right now, yeah, things should be quietish for the next couple of weeks so things should be back on a regular schedule as today like i said we've got i made i prepared stuff oh my goodness i have paper we did research we we actually planned this show you printed things out from a working computer yeah it only kind of works (laughs) it's the other problem with this uh with these open houses you have to hide all your earthly belongings. So every drawer and closet and everything is just jam packed with a bunch of crap. Yeah, I printed two pages of my show prep and the printer ran out of ink. I'm like, I don't know where the ink is now. <laughs> I spent 10 minutes digging around for it. I'm like, I can't find black ink. I know I got it. So yeah, all right, I'll print it blue. Fuck it. So, <laughs> it's just the hell. They don't tell you that part when you're selling a house for the first time. No. All your earthly belongings are just going to go missing. <laughs> You'll put them someplace, and you won't know where they are. Yeah, you have to get used to, like, swapping between the same two pairs of pants. <laughs> yeah, I found whiskey next to sweat socks. It's just... it's, it's That's a... just your alcoholism. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see how one would lead to the other. <laughs> You've got a valid point. So... But yes, all right. Fuck the moving stuff. We'll keep you posted. It's exciting for us. But... uh, Comic books. Comic books. And... Popular genre television. Popular genre television. The the big one of which was the premiere of season nine of Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, was yesterday, Saturday night. It was. Magician's Apprentice, second season with Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Uh, we will reiterate, since it's been a while since we did a Doctor Who episode, the way the fandom in uh, this particular operation breaks down. My partner, Amanda, is a huge Doctor Who fan going back to the 70s. Uh, which Doctor is yours again? Tom Baker. So that's the fourth Doctor. So yep. we're talking, yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Yep. Uh, for myself, I got into it uh, via Amanda, who asked me to start pirating the, now they're calling it season one, but the Christopher Eccleston yes. season. But when it was airing on BBC and could only be obtained through back alley horrible <laughs> totally illegal channels you know, along the lines of tentacle porn <laughs> <laughs> i somehow managed to skip the tentacle porn and find the dot so yeah that's how i started watching it so there's years of it that i constantly need to have explained by amanda because i just i can't watch the old ones because of the special effects gap yeah the special effects back in the day were never great i didn't I remember various foam-covered, in quotes, monsters. I I think I watched an episode where someone was killed with a toilet paper tube. But saying they're not good, they didn't exist. Yeah. K-9 was a Radio Shack remote-controlled car with an English guy hooting oh, into it. Oh, if a, that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then I've talked about it on previous episodes. If you grew up in the generation of Star Wars... Yeah, it takes a certain mental clean and jerk to get around. Okay, I just watched X-Wings go down a trench, and then I go home and turn on public television. And oh, it's... heck, even if you like were an avid Star Trek person, if you go from watching classic Star Trek to, you know, on the next channel, here's here's Doctor Who from classic, classic Who. No, the rubber monsters from Star Trek were, were leaps and bounds. Yeah. 
But there was still just there was a, a sort of lovable charm about the show, even even when the the special effects were shit, which was always. <laughs> yeah, just sort of a <laughs> an Andy. Ri- hey, kids, let's put on a show kind of vibe. It was you know I, even I, though we don't have money for special effects or orthodonture or post production like, talons of Wang Cheyenne or something like that, where it was the the, the one of the monsters was a, a giant rat, and basically they just took a close up of a rat. To make it look like it was a giant rat, like it was something out of like a 1950s horror movie. <laughs> yeah, like them. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. Just, just get the. I, actually, I was. Yeah, just get the camera up close to the ant. No, even with them, they built a giant ant. Yeah. Hey, they tried, but I, I still can't watch them because it's still the, the the switch flips in my brain for the old ones. I've tried it. It's nights okay. after you've gone to bed. All right, let me put on Netflix. Uh, this is a Tom Baker one, and then it's five in the morning because I've fallen asleep. I have, I even I have difficulty watching some of them now, other than um, episodes in which Tom Baker is is completely horrible to uh, Mary Jane because I hated her. I mean, I, I know she was the most popular companion of all time, but I hated her desperately. So if he just like screeched at her to do something and she got close to tears, I I just thought that was a good time. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Did not like her. Whatever gets you through. I'll, I'm sure I'll try it again at some point. But yeah, so Eccleston's my doctor because that's they say it's whoever you start with. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's the entirety of so a lot of these episodes when they go way back into the past. I got to Google everything or ask Amanda what the hell's going on. And this one definitely felt like Moffat who wrote it. In addition to, I believe, directing it. Um, yeah, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Stephen Moffat. <laughs> yeah, who's that? There may be somebody listening who doesn't know. In which case, showrunner uh, Stephen yeah. Moffat. How did you find this show if you're not into <laughs> this stuff? But hey, thanks for coming. It seemed like he wanted to do an homage to to the older doctors because there's a whole extended scene. But basically, we're gonna spoil the shit out of this. So if you haven't seen it yet, now is a good time to duck out. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's got to be available on demand somewhere. Somewhere or. <laughs> Again, just duck past the tentacle porn, and it's <laughs> it'll be on your friendly neighborhood torrent site somewhere. Yeah. But, all right, so first of all, before we even go into it, did it feel like there was less anticipation and buildup, just in, in the terms of hype, around this season's premiere than there have been in the past few years? I think so. I mean, I, I will cop to with everything that's been going on with us trying to figure out where we're going to live for the next couple of years. We've been distracted. But, I mean, it felt like over the last few years, you know, last year was Peter Capaldi's first season, so mm-hmm. that had a huge amount of buzz around it. Season before that, Matt Smith's last season. Before that, it was Karen Gillan's last. Before that, it was supposedly going to be the death of the Doctor again, which we're now fucking dealing with again. Yeah. Seems to be a favorite of... Stephen Moffat, um, but that was also the one with the doctor, uh, the first time he was really in America for an entire season, that's sort of a Hail Mary of yeah. Stephen Moffat saying, if I can just get that American dollar, I can never be fired. I can just do this for the rest <laughs> of my life and make fat stacks and be sent VIP to Comic-Con every year. <laughs> so, yeah, just but it didn't feel like, this just, for the, the biggest, first... The biggest thing related to hype, honestly, I feel, leading up to this season were the various references to, ooh, Macy Williams is going to be on sometime this this season. That does, <laughs> that I find exciting. Yeah. Because I, I really like her character on 
Game of Thrones. Right. So it's but the problem is in my head it's like, ooh, Arya Stark is gonna be on Doctor Who, <laughs> which is not the case. No, no. Yeah, you know, for all I know, she'll go in there and, and do fucking show tunes. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, but, uh, no, I I want someone who is prepared and ready to kill. Yeah. But um yeah, otherwise not a not a lot, I feel, as compared to other years. For whatever reason. Yeah. It's uh, for the first time in a while. It's just okay. Yep, new season of Doctor Who. Yep. Yeah, and this past week they announced that uh, uh, what's her name, Jenna Coleman, Jenna Louise Coleman. Yes, uh, will again is going to be leaving Doctor Who. That was the big thing last year. It's like, oh, she's going to leave at the Christmas special. Then our speculation last year was, yeah, and then she saw the, how Karen Gillan's selfie did on American yeah. TV and said, nope. shit, nope, nope, maybe nope, I better nope, hedge nope. my bets for a while and see if a better project comes in. Yeah. But supposedly, yeah, she'll be gone again by the Christmas special this year. But it, that news came late enough, late enough, it didn't feel like there was any anything beyond, yep, it's another season of Doctor Who, and we liked Capaldi last year, and hopefully it'll still be solid. No real hype or buzz and part of that, maybe we weren't at Comic-Con this year in San Diego. Yeah, so perhaps. So we didn't hear what was going on. I don't even remember if they were there, to tell you the truth. I honestly don't know. Yeah, we got to get back there this year. Well, you know, now that things are settling down and we can actually pay attention to, to comics news and pop news. And I'll cop that maybe part of it, you know. Somehow that's like how life goes. You see one dead rat in the street and it's a <laughs> month of what the hell's going on with comic books. I got other shit on my mind. But, yeah. Um. All right, so this was... Yeah, the first episode, another arc. I will start with, and I won't go into any reasons because I'll want to hear your reaction. Mm -hmm. I was really kind of disappointed with this episode. Well, we left last season. Um, we we have the new uh, Missy, who is the master, but in a female reincarnation. Yep. Um, or regeneration, rather. Um, and she was the big bad, and we had Cybermen, and it was, you know certain doom for the planet and Danny got his final proper goodbye as opposed to the fridging he got earlier in the season. Yeah, run down like a freaking <laughs> dog in the street. Yeah. Um, seriously, you don't see an awful lot of cases of, of dudes getting fridged. He got fridged. He was, <laughs> he was totally fridged. It's, there's no denying it. Um, and, and it seemed as though Missy was dead because... Danny it, it called in the troops as as a rising cyber person. <laughs> well, wasn't it the the reincarnated? And you told me the character was like the general or something. Who was like oh a yeah, the, uh, the le, le, uh, brigadier leftage le, some ah Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy was a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um. In, in any event, yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see him, um, especially because the actor is dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> that'll do it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a. I knew it was some character with a from the past. Yeah, and you had to explain it to me. I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. Um, in any event, yet she seemed like she was dead. So imagine our surprise to see her. Um, Seemingly as the big bad at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And honestly, the master historically as, as a nemesis for the doctor, and it's like Batman and the Joker. That's, you're going big with this storyline. So 
you have to be sparing, I think, when you use the master, because otherwise it just becomes bombastic and overwhelming. And we've just had an awful lot of master storylines. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a whole year of them. Now, granted, we didn't know it was the master until like the second or third to last episode. But yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> plus <laughs> she was just in Batman parlance, knocked off the cliff. Yeah. Not even knocked off the cliff. It looked like shot in the face and kicked off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> They're disintegrated in front of everyone's eyes, right? right? If I remember yeah. it right. Yeah. So, you know, and here she is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it felt in a lot of ways like Moffat went back to a lot of wells in this one. I, I won't go too much in it because I don't want to interrupt you. You seem, seem on a roll about it. But my concern with seeing Missy again and there's there's no evidence beyond just sort of a weird gut feeling about it is uh are, are they slimering her cuz she was such a popular character who was really kind of cool throughout you know in an evil way but yeah. cool throughout last season are they doing like they did with Slimer and the real Ghostbusters what everybody loves her bring what? her in for the studio put her on the damn team yeah. what the fuck i i i i think my concern is actually more along the lines of what happened with Siler in heroes like yeah this is this is an incredibly formidable villain and it's well acted by the actor and everybody loves him so let's keep bringing them back inexplicably <laughs> yeah and rob them of their narrative power yeah just from overexposure right yeah there's a reason you only want to do joker stories every maybe year and a half scott snyder's been pushing it he's done some pretty good joker stories yeah but he's he's really sort of tiptoed up to the line of joker overexposure yeah after endgame i don't really want to see the joker for for a little while yeah yeah so that, that's yeah i think we share the same concerns about seeing missy again plus it's also look i get that this is the tv version of a comic book it's a comic book story and because of that death is fast and cheap and impermanent but yeah she was killed in the last episode we didn't see her in the christmas special and now she's alive again it's it, it's too fucking fast yeah um and and likewise this seems to be a a, a davros storyline so if we ended last year with cybermen we're opening this year with daleks we've just seen the daleks a lot <laughs> and again given that they are such a particular um, big bad. They're, they're a classic villain. You, you should be using them sparingly. And I feel as though the Daleks have, have been, you know, it's like every three weeks we get Daleks. I can live a long, fulfilling and healthy life without ever seeing a fucking Dalek again. And we had all the Daleks this time. There was, there was, uh, the classic pepper pot Daleks. We had the, um, the colorful, um, Mac Pro looking, uh, <laughs> Daleks. Yeah, the red R5D4 looking <laughs> Dalek. It's a, look. We, we had the uh, the cyber stealth like like it, it looks like a human, but then the the eye stalk comes out of the forehead. Dalek. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, the Frankenstein Dalek. Yeah, or, yeah, but what a uh, zombie Dalek. Right. Yeah, it's. It, I get that they're hugely important to Doctor Who lore, and I get that they are supposed to be among the most formidable opponents, and I get that that's why they made the time war that supposedly happened in between Eccleston and. Again, you'll have to... Who, who was before that? Peter Davison? No, it was... Oh, shit. Eric Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> no, that the was the master, actually, with... Uh, Peter McGann was 
All right. After Sylvester McCoy was the last one on regular BBC television. He was number seven. And then Peter McGann was number eight for the Fox movie. Um, and the Fox movie, you either love it or you hate it. That's the one where Eric Roberts was the master. Um, I did not enjoy it. I hear he redeemed himself in the radio plays. Um, apparently radio plays are still a thing in England. You know, if you got to pay a license yeah. for your TV and your radio, yeah, that money better go to something. So uh, he he's gained somewhat more of a, a following because of his work on those. Um, and then uh, you you have the John Hurt War Doctor <laughs> now, right. who then becomes Eccleston and so forth. Okay, so yeah, I forgot about John Hurt. So. <laughs> But it's, so, yes, I get that be, they are important enough to make them part of the time war to get us into the latest several seasons. I recognize that for longtime Doctor Who fans, in that first season with Eccleston, where we saw Daleks back because we had been led to believe that they were exterminated. Jesus. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I feel terrible about that, but. The, yes, it was meant to have this huge effect, but yeah, they just keep coming back and coming back. And every time I see them, I feel like, I feel, I feel like somebody that the BBC is like George Lucas in 1982 going, I, I don't know. Fuck it. There's another Death Star. Why not? Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. We'll just do it. You know, I get that they're supposed to be terrifying, but. For guys like me, they're slow fucking robot zombie toasters and their main weapon is a fucking shitter plug and they got an irritating John Lovitz fucking voice. It's I'm done with the fucking Daleks. And even then, it took them two seasons of the new ones to show, okay, they can fly a little bit so that stairs didn't become their goddamn arch nemesis. Now I'm just picturing John Lovitz voicing the Daleks. Haircut! Haircut! That's why I thought of it. And, and with Doctor Who, it just, it feels like they're giving up again. And then as soon as I saw him, all I could think of was that episode of The Simpsons where, where they got, uh, William Shatner. Oh, God. With, again with the Klingons. Again with the Daleks. <laughs> but this is, this is something that Moffat did. And, and, and maybe Russell Davies did too. And I just gave him more of a pass because it was, it was earlier in the run of the new Who. But, uh, it's, he 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 latches on to a villain and then he just beats you over the head with it over over several subsequent arcs like when he first introduced the weeping angels they were cool and frightening and new and then then you just saw them everywhere and well, <laughs> they got more and more ridiculous and and that's the the problem cuz Moffat wrote blink yeah. but davies was the showrunner at that point yes and blink is a genuinely frightening and exciting episode but you don't get something with blink like blink rather if you have some mandate from on high to keep going back to the well right now if it's always going to be the master or the cybermen or the daleks and or davros and now fucking the weeping angels because he's going back to his own well you don't get anything new and innovative right and that's that's a risk that you know, have we seen anything cool and memorable in the last couple of years beyond, oh, the master's a chick? That's about <laughs> it. That's about it. Honestly, I, I think I think there were some interesting storylines, but just in terms of, of narrative plot devices, Moffat has been lazy. <laughs> Again with the Klingons. <laughs> 
Um, so it, it, there were things in the show where it clearly seemed as though he was trying to do an homage to, to earlier who, but so much of the episode came off to me as I don't have any new ideas. Let me rip this off from somebody else. So what could have been cool, like, all right. Um, and what turns out to be um, Skaros, which is Daros's planet, we see a young boy um, in in a, a, a war zone, and the minds that exist in this war zone are these weird zombie hands that come up out of the ground. Oh yeah, hand minds. Hand clever. Mind. Okay. Um, and then you see them fully stretched, the hand fully stretched, and it turns toward the camera, and then there's a big old eye in the middle of it, and it's like, did you just watch, like, Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, this- it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was totally a riff on the Pale Man from, from Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, it, did you did you just watch that, Moffat? And you say, hmm, remind me to tell props. <laughs> yeah, it's, the opening was, was interesting to me in that it was sort of the opposite, like a re- you're like an, it was like an open, an open face shit sandwich. <laughs> like a shit sandwich is you got something cool with shit in the middle. This is an open face. There's something cool with shit all around it. So it's a, yes, yeah, seeing the, the hand mines be the pale man with the eye and the pu- that was, uh, okay, you, you ripped that off. But then we get, yeah, the kid is sitting there and terrified and he hasn't been identified with yet. And we get the doctor from off camera saying, you have a one in a thousand chance of surviving this. Focus on the one. Uh, number one, you've got the cynical Capaldi type doctor yep. followed immediately by hopeful, which he learned by the end of the season that he can be a good man. If a harsh man, it's like, okay, that is a good introduction line for everything you need to know about the doctor. Yes. And then it's immediately, my name's Davros. And it's like, oh shit, we're going to do a go back in time and kill Hitler story. Yeah. Considering that they actually have an episode, um, from the Matt Smith seasons called Let's oh, Kill Let's Hitler. Kill Hitler. <laughs> but see, this to me is, this is why I know that time travel will never be invented because Hitler is still historically in power and JFK was still historically assassinated. It's like the law. If you have a, Time machine, there's only three things you can do. You can go back and kill Hitler as a baby. Yeah. You can, you can stop the assassination of JFK, or you can actually accidentally kill your own grandfather and just sort of fade away by Mar- Marty McFly. That's all you can do <laughs> if you travel through time. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, as that reveal is happening, I'm thinking back to, well, gee, Tom Baker actually covers this. In uh, one of his episodes, when when Sarah Jane and Harry, I believe, are with him on on Scaros, where they get into you know Baker saying, you know, what if you could go back in time and and kill a baby that you knew was going to grow up to be evil? And then later on in the episode, there's a whole montage of like interactions between various doctors and Davros, and that's one of the things they show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, I'd never seen the episode, but I recognized that it was it was. Uh, what's his name? Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Thank you. Um, the, the more I thought about it as the episode was going on, it's like, you know, you're the doctor and you just dropped in on this, what apparently to you is a random time and place in space. And is Davros really that uncommon a name that your first instinct is let him die? Well, I think it was that in conjunction with realizing that it was... The, the thing with Skaros is that there is this, like, never-ending war. But he didn't know he was on Skaros. No, but he... he it was the... She, he talks about the war first, and the kid can't even identify the name of the war 
He said, because that's how long it's been going on. But he on. also asked, what planet am I on? And the kid said, I don't know what that means. So the doctor didn't know where he was. Right. But I think, because he's clever, once he got the information about the war and then got the kid's name, that's... Yeah, but that's pure speculation. All I know is he landed in a place, kid said, my name is Davros, and not only did he let him die, but in the previews for next week, he goes back with a big fucking... Well, uh, we don't know if he let him die or not, because... It... He's still alive to to. He, yes, we do because he had the doctor's sonic screwdriver. But we don't know what played out, and I think that they're holding on to that. They all right. They might be, but all the information that we've been given is we're led to believe the doctor disappeared and left him there, and I mean, he somehow got away and retrieved the doctor's screwdriver. But well, we're, no, we're, we're we're I think we're led to believe that he. Um, he, he does save him because there's this whole ongoing conversation argument that they've had over, over millennia, um, about the value of compassion. Um, doctor being, yes, compassion's important. And Davros being, uh, no, being, being an unstoppable, unfeeling killing machine is important. <laughs> yes, but Davros's argument could have been the compassion was leaving me there as opposed to blowing my head off. Which is why in the previews for the next episode, we see the doctor go back with a big Dalek hog leg or shitter plug or whatever to blow his head off saying Ice exterminate. Dog. It's an nice Sure, whatever. But, um, or compassion could have been, you know, he, he could have materialized because he's done this before the TARDIS right over the boy and pulled him into the damn TARDIS. <laughs> It's possible, but we don't have any information to the, based oh, I, on that. I know, I know. I'm just saying there's a lot of ways it could go differently. It's At face value, it looked like the doctor dropped into a place and said, you know, and heard the name Davros and said, you know, okay, fuck you. Shoot him. Shoot him, both. And all I kept thinking was that that had better be the most uncommon name in the world. Otherwise, it could be like the doctor said, you know, I decided to stop JFK. So I just hit the first switch I saw on the... uh on the TARDIS, and I landed somewhere, and I landed in 1962, and I killed a guy named Osborne. Or, or Oswald. <laughs> Oswald, I killed yeah. a guy named Oswald. <laughs> and Clara says, did you at least get a, an ID or ask a first name as she slowly winks out of existence like Marty McFly? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> it just it looked like, what's your name? Davos? Die! <laughs> um, yeah, no, you, you raise a good point. I, I think and again, maybe just because I've I've watched it longer than you have, I I knew what was going on pretty quickly, so I didn't question it. But I could see I could see where you could. Yeah, see, the best I remember, and I had to do a certain amount of googling just to refresh my memory. But I think it was in season four since the reboot. Uh, wasn't Davros supposed to be obliterated by like Donna Noble? Yes. And yeah, that that what was the home planet's name? Scaros. Yeah, it's a. I think we saw that at one point, and it had been wiped out. Yeah, I mean that's that's where it gets confusing because since since the time war and all of that, you know, the the Daleks have have ceased to be. The Daleks have come back. The Daleks have evolved. The Daleks. <laughs> yeah. You know, Davros is is alive. Davros isn't alive. <laughs> Davros is alive again. Well, it, it is a comic book. You know, and, and nobody's going to stay dead forever. Right. You know, and, and I don't expect that. These these guys are always going to come. The minute somebody said, I don't know, he regenerates. Yeah. Yeah, you've turned it into a comic book and nobody's going to stay dead forever. Right. 
the Daleks, the Daleks were in a pocket universe for a while. It's, it's just, yeah, but it's there were also just holes in the episode beyond the going back to the well. Um, the the thing with with Missy being the one who got the Doctor's last will and testament to be opened upon his death, yeah, to go to his closest friend. That doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. <laughs> I, I think they're going to, and we'll see how, how successfully it plays out. Um, she, Missy keeps making a point that the relationship between she and the doctor is too complex for a human to really wrap her mind around because Clara's just like, this is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen that you guys think you're friends. <laughs> well, which is true, and they made... Big statements in this episode of, oh, we've known each other for longer than your own, you know, for forever because we're both immortal. But, you know, when it comes to the doctor, we've got fistfuls of companions. We've got River Song. Captain Jack is fucking immortal. Yeah. You know, but it's the master who's, oh, that's my bestest bud. Well, that's my pal. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I I believe in the complexity of the relationship because of some of the work that was done in the Davies years leading up to um, where they are now because the doctor was so concerned that he was the last of his kind. So the irony that the one other Gallifreyan that happens to still be alive out there is the master. They, they just latched onto each other because Yes, they love each other. They hate each other. They are all they have. I'm <laughs> all right. Uh, it's I. I suppose it's it, that just it seems really fucking odd to me. Yes, the, the the last two of our kind. But you know, let's remember the last time they saw each other. Her final words to him were the lie of how to find Gallifrey. Right. She betrayed him with her final words. Yes. And how would he even fucking know she was alive to send her this goddamn thing? Well, that's what Clara questions. Um, I mean, one, one of the things that you learn about the doctor as you get to know uh, him is the doctor lies. Yes, which was a big point of last season. Yes. So she betray- <laughs> the- Missy betrays the doctor. The doctor betrays Clara by letting her believe that Missy is dead. The doctor lies. Clara never fucking learns. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's more the doctor lies. The writers need a check. Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. Just, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd, I get where you're coming from. It just seems really counterintuitive to me. It's like you know, we've spent our lives trying to kill each other. Before the time war, we spent our lives trying to kill each other. Yeah. I... I'm hoping that it plays out in terms of, okay, so the the nature of the relationship between the Doctor and Davros, is there more going on there than we've been led to believe as fans over the years? Because there seems to be a, a similarly parasitic thing going on there in terms of, it, Missy was taken aback. What do you mean he's your greatest nemesis? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I suppose you get, uh, what are they, 30, 40? And so, uh, how many goddamn seasons of Doctor Who are there? They're nine in the latest. This 11. is number nine. <laughs> yeah, just then, then they go out and have elevensies. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a ton. I mean, so I guess after a certain point, yeah, you just sort of have to say, okay, these are the relationships, and over time, these are <laughs> these are the big ones, and these are the ones that make the most sense. And uh, I don't know, uh, guys, we 
uh, before we can order dinner, we, we need a bad guy. Again with the Klingon. Sure, we'll have the goddamn Daleks <laughs> again. And I would like Thai. <laughs> if you're ordering out. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It just felt like a whole lot was going back to the well on this. And not just back to the well, but back to other places. But you know, the one thing that really jumped out at me, and I get it was supposed to be a badass moment of the doctor making an entrance, riding a tank, playing <laughs> electric guitar, and all I could think of was, yeah, okay, somebody saw the Doof Warrior in Mad Max fucking Fury Road this summer. Yeah. Or they, they happen to finally see Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, between the fact that the doctor had um, taught this medieval society the word dude and how to use it in context. <laughs> um, and then every time they kept flashing to the doctor supposedly shredding on an axe, I couldn't help but think of George Carlin. <laughs> Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Oh, very nice. I'm prepared for very almost nice. anything. <laughs> Almost anything. Because, yeah, it, it, dust, wind, dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, that should be badass. And yet I'm, just... I'm, I'm finding like eight different ways it's derivative. <laughs> yeah. And the whole, the whole thematic thing of the, the idea of the doctor as an end justifies the means kind of guy. You know, who would abandon little baby Davros to die in a minefield or do even worse based on the trailer for, for next week. You know, obliterate him in the face with a Dalek tube. <laughs> you know, that was well examined through the entirety of last season. The whole question of season eight is, is the doctor a good man? Right. You know? And what does it mean to be a good man? Yeah. <laughs> And it's not abandon the kid to die. And it's not shoot him in the face. <laughs> and it's not what what what's your name? Die. <laughs> well, I, you know, yeah, okay. So, what is the nature of compassion? What would be compassion for Davros? And presumably, it would be saving him. But it seems as though whatever the outcome was between their very first interaction, Davros has led down the path to become this this bitter, twisted, paranoid mad scientist who would prefer to take his kind and and stick them in hermetically sealed tanks um and and rob them of any sort of um morality or humanity not that they're necessarily human but you, you get what i'm saying yeah then then to allow them to grow it's like the worst of helicopter parents <laughs> um and rather than allowing them to to grow up and 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 to to get bruised and banged up because whatever war has been happening is so horrible that it needs to be ended by whatever means necessary. Well, and just as I'm sitting here thinking about this, it's okay. Uh, he is surrounded by these uh, hand mines. You think you can get him out, maybe. You have a time and space machine. Mm. This is a humanoid kid. Get him out. Get him into your TARDIS. Take him Anywhere but yeah. the fucking Dalek planet. Drop him drop him on drop Earth. Him on, <laughs> drop him on Angelina Jolie's step. She's adopting weird kids with like third eyes from strange places. 
He'll grow up richer than shit, walking red carpets with a big fucking smile on his face. And the Dalek planet, you know, they can just wander around and shoot each other with bows and arrows all day long. Well, Jennifer Aniston's finally married. I'm presumably she's going to want to start pumping out kids or adopting. Yeah, it's <laughs> the doctor had a million options. He had a time machine. He yeah. just did. You know, OK, kids stand there. So, and even then, you got a one in a thousand chance, kid. Or I could go back 15 minutes and pick you up before you walk over here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, you don't need to go back in time and kill Hitler. No, you need to go back in time and find Hitler in art school that <laughs> that has slightly looser fucking admission criteria. Yeah, he he needs to be rehomed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, don't even make him a ward of the state. Just bring him to a rich guy to to bring up. <laughs> And all of this could have been avoided, but instead, uh, nope, I'm going <laughs> to use a Dalek shitter plug and just kill him. And, and, Assuming and, it's the same Davros. <laughs> no, I'm Steve Davros. I'm from, <laughs> I'm from Poughkeepsie, motherfucker. Poughkeepsie Davros. You're <laughs> Steve Davros from Poughkeepsie. I kind of like that title. <laughs> um, I had a thought and it went away. I... I'm sorry. I was on a good rant. I apologize. No, no, that's okay. But no, here's the thing. Like, Again, comparing the Doctor to Batman, Batman doesn't kill. The Doctor doesn't kill. The whole point of how how they resolve the Time War nonsense and and John Hurt's War Doctor, who who has to take on the burden of committing massive genocide when the Doctor has never killed in in millennia leading up to that. You know, no matter the stakes, no killing. You're going to have him shoot a child in the face. There are no stakes here. We know that's not going to happen. And if it does, okay, Moff, you're taking us down a very interesting road. But I don't <laughs> think that's what you're going to do. <laughs> it's night in Gallifrey. I carry a badge. Dun, 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 dun. On the next Doctor Who, I've decided to uh, paint the TARDIS white and put candy in it. <laughs> <laughs> On the next Doctor Who. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> be in a van down by the river <laughs> <laughs> on the next doctor who for ten dollar all you can eat <laughs> testicle fest <laughs> none of these even make sense no no but they <laughs> that's the fatigue hysteria sweetheart but they work they work for me on the next doctor who what a bunch of a-holes <laughs> <laughs> on the next doctor who the doctor confronts missy about her past as the master he says that he's an a-hole that's the wrong one that's okay. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. I've got I've got has no dick and not a dick just next to each other. Oh well, geez, now I know how you organize your files. <laughs> I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. All right, I'm done. <laughs> you sure? I think so. Yes. Okay. But... I just want to make sure it's out of your system. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. I'm done. So that's 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 what it comes down to for me. All right, you're telling me this this story that we know can't possibly end with him killing a child. Correct. If it does, then you've undone your entire last season about what it means to be a good man. Correct. Um and we've once again revisited the well with with Daleks and Davros and the master. Wait, 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 wait with what? Again with the Klingon. <laughs> Um, also, can we talk about, like, right, the one new kind of weird villain that they introduced, the Snake Man? 
uh, whoever the hell that was. Yeah, I, I'm. Oh crap! I wrote down what I thought the name was, and then I forgot to Google it. Um, who seems to be it, it's, uh, the doctor refers to your snakes in a dress because <laughs> he was he, he was like this hooded cowl covered figure that that had a weird set of ridges in his face and it turns out that he could uncoil and turn into a snake and i'm looking at him and i'm like you look like a cardassian all right so we're now we're ripping off pan's labyrinth and star trek deep space nine <laughs> okay you said cardassian yeah cardassian no cardassian very different yes okay. cardassian he looked like um gull what's his face um uh, oh hell i <laughs> When it, when it comes to Trek, I'm with you through classic Trek and up to uh, ne- uh, next generation. Um, it, it doesn't matter, but like if you know Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, you know which character I mean. <laughs> and that's the problem. Yeah, that's yeah. not one that that uh, I went for. Yeah. So Gold Ducat. <laughs> okay, that only sounds familiar. Yeah. So all right. I so mean, look, it's uh, the one thing Doctor Who has always tried to do. Particularly since they now have at least, you know, CGI on a Pentium 3 budget <laughs> is is interesting monsters. I'd be more impressed by Snake Guy if clearly he wasn't trying to channel Guillermo del Toro with the pale the pale man up front. Yeah. Uh into but yeah, the idea of that oh he coils up like a snake. But even then it's it's a half baked idea. Yeah, it coils up like a snake. Okay, show me on show me him uncoiling it. Now we just let's pan away because I, I haven't figured out the mechanics of it. It, it, it. He just he uncoils. The rendering looks like shit. Just just pan back. <laughs> yeah. Now what rendering? This doesn't make any physical sense. Yeah. That, how does he coil into two legs? Is he a Rubik snake? Does he Well, know? and also this season, and not that it hasn't happened in other seasons, but the glaringly seemed to be filmed on digital video. Yeah, this episode looked cheap. Like, yeah. Like, to the point where I really was wondering if one of the people who came through in, in our open house figured out how to turn the motion smoothing back on the TV while Actually, we Actually, we should here. go back and look at that because I'm pretty sure our realtor turned our television on to watch sports. Uh, <laughs> our realtor's a good guy, but technologically advanced enough to dig through our menu system and find the motion smoothing, I doubt it. Do you never know what a person's priorities are? We'd have noticed it on some other episode That's of television we've, we've, we've watched, watched in the other last movies. week. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it, it looked like they were trying to shoot at some jacked up frame rate like a 48 FPS or something. Why would you do that? It's I, TV. I don't know, but it, it really had the soap opera effect of it looked like it was shot on cheap video for yeah. big chunks of it. And it just, that it, it dragged me out right from the beginning. I'm like, oh, really? We're doing this? Yeah. And hey, fine. Digital video, a lot of movies are shot on it. You get away from film, you save a lot of money, but you know, it, Jesus, get, get some of the George Lucas technology so it at least looks like film. <laughs> You know, it looks like it was shot on somebody's iPhone for big chunks of it. I've seen better video shot on iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's a good enough cliffhanger. I want to see what happens, but ultimately, yeah, it was just, it was disappointing. It felt like not only did he go back to, did, uh, did Moffat go back to his own well, he was just grabbing stuff along the way. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I would like, I would like Moffat in the writer's room to put a moratorium on any classic villains for at least like 10 episodes. Yeah, I mean, come up with new stuff. I mean, the Weeping Angels are proof that he can come up with really cool shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, just the hand mine idea until the visual went to Del Toro. It's like, all right, that's clever. I'm with you, but he had to take that extra step and be like, oh, no, see, you lost me. Right. And I, I just go back to the um, the first couple of seasons, you know, with Eccleston and then Tennant. It was a really long time before you saw like classic villains, classic big bad villains. Yeah. Did we see Cybermen in that first season? No. Yeah, we saw Daleks. Cybermen showed up for the again f- with the Klingons <laughs> for the first time, if I remember correctly, um, in the episode. That introduces the actress who will eventually become Martha Jones. She's playing a different character. Okay. Um, I believe it's in it's the season finale arc with Rose. This is what leads to Rose going off to the alternate universe because there's a... Okay, so yeah, that was like season three. Yeah, or so it was like Cybermen and Daleks. Okay. <laughs> And that was like, oh, shit, all right. Because it had the effect of, all right, we haven't seen these in, like, forever, and this has been running now for a couple of seasons, and here's our Cybermen and Daleks. So it had the intended effect. Now we just see them all the fucking time. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) come up with, yeah, there's got to be something else. Yeah. Even if you got to dig more fucking Time Lords out. Give me somebody else besides the Master. Well, they're back in play now, so, you know. They're back in play in an alternate pocket DC-style dimension. Yeah. Yeah, they got a few. There's got to be more than one douchebag on Gallifrey. For oh, Christ there are. Sake. There are very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 two hearts, two brains, two dicks. One of them's going to have a bad idea and lead somebody into crime, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Surprised there's only the problem with the master. Oh, we haven't seen the Ronnie. That's another That's another Time Lord um, villain that uh, could be effective if they found an excuse to put her back in play. Okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> Drag it to a halt. It's like, uh, did she come out of a shoebox spaceship? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the special effects I'm used to there. Yeah. Uh, so, yay, I'm happy it's back, but I continue to be kind of meh on this run. And it's not Capaldi's fault. I like Capaldi. Yeah, I mean, there was some... I, I think the episode was disappointing. There was some stuff that I liked. The, the thing is, I do like Missy. Yeah. She's a great actress. You know, bringing her back one episode, you know, a whole episode after she was blown up. Well, feels... then they killed her again. Like at the end of this episode, they they seemingly like obliterated her. Yeah. And, and... uh, what's her face? Uh, Clara. Right. But the act, I forget the name of the actress who plays Missy, but the, when they write for her and the way she plays it, she clearly brings a lot of joy to it. I mean, one line I really liked was uh, was after uh, Clara tells uh. Tells the tells the Daleks again with the Klingon that the that the TARDIS is indestructible, and Missy says, "Did the doctor tell you that? Because you should never believe a man about his vehicle." That's a great <laughs> that's a great line. I got a good laugh out of that. Um, and yeah, Capaldi himself last year in all the press leading up to season eight, he described the Doctor as punk rock, and it's good to actually kind of see that kind of influence. Yeah. Now and yeah, well, I think his whole riding in on a tank, you know, was a whole do warrior riff yeah the reveal that he saw clara by playing pretty woman all right that was kind of cool i like that there was some cool stuff even though i think that whole scene was all right influenced mm-hmm. yeah i think there was some good stuff there yeah uh, there's there's always flashes of things that suggest that it could be so much better than it is oh totally <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a reason hardcore Doctor Who fans like my brother, that my brother would possibly tase Stephen Moffat if he had the chance. Yeah, your brother should not be in the same room with Stephen Moffat. No, <laughs> my brother will spend four to five hours ranting about Stephen Moffat, and that is why he will never be a guest on this show. <laughs> Because he will suck up all our bandwidth, and I'll be able to go get drunk somewhere and come back, and he might finish up. But, yeah. Um, and you know the cliffhanger ending. You know, I'm not all that excited. I want to see how it turns out, but it's it was really kind of a uh, okay. You're gonna leave it here. All right, fine, whatever. I'll come back next week. Well, like I said, it's it's low stakes because the doctor doesn't kill. Well, it's low stakes, and it's people that we've seen him beat in the last like. Four hours of Doctor Who television. Yeah. It's like, yep, okay, it's uh, more friggin' Daleks. Again with the Klingon. And Davros and the Master, and, and if he wins, it doesn't matter. If he kills him, it doesn't matter, because it's Stephen Moffat, which means we will see them again by next year's fucking Comic-Con. Yeah. So, th- yeah, I'm, stop going back to the well. Yeah, call a moratorium on all of them. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, there's a, I snuck a look at some of the upcoming title episodes. There's some other doctor and that i know i've seen and i forget the name some nemesis that starts with a z with a z yeah i, I can't remember what it was but I, i've i know that i've we've seen them before since since they rebooted at least oh um the Zy- not xylons yeah maybe the xylons something like that yeah. yeah they're coming back this season oh good whatever they Yay. are we've seen them recently <laughs> So, yeah, call a moratorium on him. Come up with some new shit. You got a guy who can go anywhere in time and space. There's got to be more than, like, five or six different races of dildo (laughs) that he can come up against. Races of dildo. (laughs) I don't think we can name the episode that. Zygon. Zygon, yeah. Yeah, they're coming. uh, I think they're coming back this season just based on that. Yeah, it says Zygon invasion, Zygon inversion. Yeah, it's... Stop going to the well, Steve. For fuck's sake. (laughs) Um, and my understanding is that, yeah, they're going to do these 13 episodes and then it's going to go on a hiatus for like a year or something. I thought, yeah, I thought I'd seen some ridiculously long so he can focus on Sherlock. And again, yeah, fine. But when you come back, you better be really original and stop doing this shit. Like, (laughs) why would he? Yeah. I mean, the most original thing that he did, he's brought back at least three different times. And worse, changed the fucking internal rules on him every time. Right. No, it's true. Um, I, he's done a lot to raise the, the profile of the show and, and increase the popularity. See, I, I disagree. He's done, the one thing he did was say, fine, I will put them in America for a season. But it's the biggest thing he did was okay. I will uh, hire you know, cute, non-threatening Matt Smith to make the teenage and pre-teenage girls get all you know goopy. Yeah, they're thinking about Doctor Who. <laughs> I still think back to a local high school that had a Doctor Who fan club that uh, sprang up because of of the girls' love for Matt Smith and what must have went through their minds when Capaldi walked out. <laughs> Oh, believe me, that club has closed down. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there is no longer a Doctor Who club there. And, it's, and it was great. It got a huge amount of press and that yeah, got him into San Diego Comic Con. But yeah, it's otherwise he just keeps doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah. Oh. 
I'll just hope for the best. I'll continue to hope for the best. At some point, there'll be a new showrunner. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, welcome to another season of Doctor Who. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recycling the same things over and over as I go. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's working for me now because I like Capaldi. Yeah. He had some some pretty solid moments in this. He's clearly having some fun being a half misanthrope doctor. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I did appreciate about this episode is it, it focused on the doctor as opposed to everybody around the doctor, which was much of the problem last season. Yeah, and we talked about that in prior episodes. I had less of a problem with that because Capaldi will be a fixed point for at least a couple of years, not to steal time travel <laughs> convention, but he'll be there. He's got plenty of time. Plus, he's playing a guy who's had 30 years worth of character development. And granted, that character tax a little bit every time a new person plays him. But, right. You know, where the rubber hits the road, the doctor is the doctor is the doctor. Everybody puts their spin on it, mm-hmm. but it's still moving in the same general direction. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I just, you know, you've got a fantastic guy in the part. Let him have some more screen time. <laughs> I will agree. I, I think it was probably a, a little bit heavy on the Clara characterization last year very heavy on the clara but again i had less of a problem with it than i know that you and uh trebuchet and and other other people who other friends of the show yeah well it's it's like anything else if you happen to like the companion then you don't mind if if you are meh on the companion then every every second she's on screen is a second that the doctor isn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah and clara i could take or leave her yeah eh. <laughs> all right anything else on dr who you want to talk i think about? we've been pretty thorough on that all right how are we doing on time oh uh, we're good we're about an hour or so okay all right so yeah got a couple books which one about you, some comic books which one do you want to talk about first oh why don't we start with captain america white okay yeah this is kind of a it's it's not a weird one well all right a little bit uh, captain america white number one uh, written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale. Uh, it's the, this is the first issue of uh, Loeb and Sale have done multiple miniseries about Marvel characters. Uh, they, they call them the color series. They've had Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, that basically explore some of the early days of these characters' careers to sort of get into their early mindset and, and how they became what they became. Right. Uh, this time it's Captain America's turn. Fucking finally, because this book was announced like seven goddamn years ago. It's 2008 it came out. Or the first, the zero issue. Yeah, there was out. a zero issue preview that came out. Yeah, uh, I think it was September 2008. Uh, it was announced earlier in the year, and it was not too long after, I want to say Spider-Man Blue was the last one they did, although it might be Daredevil Yellow. Okay. But, and supposedly the, the delay was just because uh, of Loeb's schedule working on Marvel's TV stuff. Okay. Although 2008 or so, he probably, wasn't he still working on Heroes? Maybe. That sounds right. He may have, because, yeah, Heroes debuted 2006. Well, um, Sale was definitely doing art for Heroes. Yeah. So I don't know if Loeb was still on the show for season three, season four. I honestly don't remember, yeah. but at least Heroes was still around. So, so yeah, it's a, there has not really been a clear... You know, yep, here's exactly what happened, why it took seven <laughs> years for this thing to come out. But it's not a thing you have to worry about if if you 
if you missed the zero issue, uh, yeah, it, I'll certainly sell you mine for thirty bucks. Well, they they reprinted it in this. You, you fool! You just cost me thirty fucking dollars. Are you happy now? <laughs> I had the rube on the hook. <laughs> you had to fuck it up for me. But yes, I'm a ruiner. <laughs> yes, the zero issue is reprinted at the back of this particular issue. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's what this comes down to is this is the beginning of a mini series about uh, Captain America and Bucky's relationship during World War II. Yes. Uh, all right. So, um, what's your initial impression? I've got thoughts on it, obviously, but well, I thought it was enjoyable. But you know, the timing of the release now that you've got two Captain America movies out that essentially explore the same thing just seems a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, I'll start with it. It is kind of cool to see Steve Rogers back in the costume and to see the old school Howlin' Commandos Nick Fury again. Yes. Um although it is kind of weird it, it occurred to me after Marvel has gone to such lengths to turn Fury into you know this interstellar you know almost murdering man on the wall and then a watcher so they could replace him yeah with his son it's easy to forget that once upon a time nick fury was just sort of the uncomplicated leader of a uncomplicated organization that once upon a time hadn't been infiltrated by scrolls and norman osborne <laughs> barely trusted at Hydra. some point or another yeah <laughs> um so I mean, it's kind of cool to see the older older school stuff but it's i like sam wilson as captain america now but the old man out of time element that Loeb is really hammering on it particularly in the first few pages of this book right there is something that is missing from the current captain america that that i kind of like but you're right it's absolutely explored all over the place in two cap and two avengers movies right with another captain america movie on the way in april so so yeah it's yeah, the Captain America and Bucky's relationship in World War II is well and truly examined in Captain America, the first Avenger. And about 10 different limited series that came out around the same time as Captain America, the first yes. Avenger. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what there is to like about this book is, you know, the Tim Sale art. You know, that's always well worth, um, examining because he does a nice job of, of laying out graphically the story. <laughs> That he and Loeb are trying to tell. Oh, he's got some great stuff. There's a double page spread early in this issue where Cap wakes up from his hospital bed right after being found by the Avengers, where he leaps out of bed and the way, uh, Sale composes that page. Oh, yeah. With Giant Man on the left and then Thor and then Iron. So, so the stature of heroes goes from top left downward to basically wasp right that forces your eye in a particular area across the page into the dynamic center of cap trying to leap off the bed screaming for bucky because he just woke up after being in the ice for 30 years right i would pay real money for those couple of pages man yeah no it's it's so like i said for me even if this is now well-worn territory in pop culture in in terms of telling the story of of Captain America it's it's worth it for the sale art and and Loeb can tell a good story so he's he's doing a nice job narrating this from from Roger's point of view oh he he absolutely can but then there's 
what was the series he did leading up into Avengers versus X-Men? Um, X-Sanction or something? Yeah, I don't think I read that. <laughs> where you've got the entirety, the one where Cable came back. Oh, God. And uh, he had his virus, and um, somehow he tricked the Avengers into a warehouse one at a time. So it was an Avengers time travel story that took place in a fucking warehouse. <laughs> it was horrible. So it's it was, an Avengers story with BBC BBC money for special effects. Oh, it was just <laughs> fucking wretched. And and the bait that he used to get Cap was to get Falcon in there, but Falcon wasn't even a member of the Avengers at the time. Jeff Loeb can write a good story. He can stomp on his dick for the oh, yeah. sheer lunatic well, thrill that of it. god-awful Wolverine saber-tooth story that I, I talk about on the site. Uh, the Ultimates 3. Yeah. The fucking, uh, ex- what was it, Extinction? Yeah. Uh, no, Ultimatum. Ultimatum. <laughs> where, he tra- where he tried to drown the Ultimate Universe <laughs> and kill everybody. Let's be fair, Mark Muller is... is <laughs> no. Put them on the road to that. <laughs> he only barely put them on the road to that. That's Loeb's baby, and it is bad it is it is bad like you read about you know i'm looking for a sound i can't find a sound effect angry enough to deal with fucking ultimatum <laughs> but you know again getting back to this book it's 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 beautiful to read through um i'm not sure that it adds anything to what we already do or don't know about steve rogers yeah it's this would have been really valuable back in 2008 because at that time Steve Rogers was dead. Yeah. And when Crossbone shot him coming out of Civil War. Right. Bucky was Captain America. So this relationship at that particular time with that tragedy involved and flipping of roles really could have had some impact. Right. You now it's has a hell of a lot less now that Cap is old and leading shield and Bucky is out somewhere in space as the next man on the wall hunting aliens that could threaten America. Right. But uh, (laughs) I I, got to tell (laughs) you, particularly with Sam Wilson as Captain America now, they probably could have picked a better title than Captain America White. Yeah, that occurred to me also. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's... It it fits the other books that are there, but the last one that they did was seven or eight years ago, so relatively newer readers might not be utterly aware of this particular theme. They couldn't do blue because they did Spider-Man blue. They could have done red, but that would have pissed off a completely different part of the, <laughs> the political ideological spectrum, thinking that you're saying Captain America's a commie. So there, there's no good way around it. Yeah. It's, just, it's just bad, bad timing, man. Yeah, well... <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, overall, at least for the the first issue, or call it issue and a half since issue zero's in here, the general story quality with what's here is there. The art quality is certainly there, uh, and it's on par with all the other Loeb sale color books. But yeah, the, the timing is, it's not right. It would have had a lot more impact coming out when it was originally Intended solicited. To, yeah. Yeah. So it's. It's not bad, but it is not necessary reading for understanding about the characters. Worth picking up for a lot of other reasons, yes. but there's nothing really new here that if you've been anywhere near your movie theater since 2011. <laughs> you, or your television seen. or... Uh, yeah, to turn on FX and like take a couple no-dos, you'll get this story eventually. Right. So. All right. 
Want to do the next one? Yeah. Now, this is an interesting book. This was not bad. It's not perfect, but not bad. Um, And I I partially wanted to do it because with everything that's been going on, it's been hard to focus on all the goddamn event books coming out of Marvel. So, okay, here's something different for somebody else. A Dark Horse book. Uh, Payback's number one. Uh, written by Donnie Cates and Elliot uh, Rahal. Mm-hmm. Uh, art by Jeff Show and... Shaw. Shaw, sorry. Uh, and colors by Lauren... Uh, Affy. Affy. Sure. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, everybody wants to be a billionaire vigilante, but uh, not everybody is a billionaire. And or even if you are a billionaire, sometimes you're just not good at managing your money. Yes. Yeah, so, for those people, uh, there's Mr. Pierce... A mysterious figure who loans money to superheroes, but what happens when the superheroes can't make their payments? Uh, they meet the paybacks, which are super-powered Repo Men. Yeah, this is like Repo Man meets the Avengers. Yeah, they're the guys who come <laughs> and take away the giant pennies and the stuffed dinosaurs, you know, assuming somebody else hasn't wiped out their target first. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I literally picked this up. Just I'm not familiar with any of the creators on it. It just it looked kind of like a clever idea. You know, kind of like Marvel's damage control. Yeah, you know, okay. I, I kind of like the idea of an ancillary service economy that just sort of pops up around superheroes. <laughs> and someday I'm going to put together a, a pitch for like all states or nationwide's super investigations unit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that investigates insurance claims like related to superhuman incidents. If you're ever going to write anything other than a dick joke, you should write that. Yeah, well, it's a, I had a job handling insurance exactly. claims for a while. <laughs> and I just wrote a, a line of dialogue based on, based on a claim I had to handle like 20 years ago. Oh, look, lady, we did an accident reconstruction. And yes, that is black paint with radar dampening ingredients on your hood. But the only way it could have gotten there is if you were slamming on your brakes just before impact. So basically... You rear-ended Batman, lady, and under comp negligence, this is your fucking fault. <laughs> so that that's my pitch. If you're listening, Marvel or DC, this is literally the only comic book that I could write. <laughs> and I probably would just sell you the idea so you could let somebody competent do it. But there you go. That's my pitch. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I mean, what, what were your thoughts? I... There are a couple stories going on in this. Yeah. So what I just are your thought thoughts? it was fucking funny. Um, <laughs> it, it was fun. Yeah. You know, they, they show up to, to take back all of the various stuff from this one character, the Night Knight, who. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Knight with an N and then Knight with a K. Yeah. And he, it's Archibald Primrose the third and he lives in London and appears to be some sort of billionaire and somebody who is an Alfred type. Opens the door and then scoots when he sees what's about to happen. Yep. Uh, so we've never seen Alfred Pennyworth behave in that sort of undignified manner. <laughs> no, we <laughs> and, have not. And meanwhile, uh, the Night Knight, rather than really being out trying to take care of anything crime oriented, is just writing, you know, dark prose narrating what he should be doing. Uh, yeah, he's writing in his journal, but basically he's writing his own narrative dialogue yeah. caption, internal dialogue captions um and 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 this is a a vigilante who's not above jacking a car in order to to get away from the repo people it turns out to be the repo people's van yep which has a tardis like back that is bigger on the inside yeah. oh they flat out say in a couple places yeah. it's not a van there's there's another <laughs> universe going on in there um and we've got a, a character who's analogous to 
Doctor Strange, who is the team's medic. <laughs> yes, Doctor Dark with a Q. Uh, sure, that was Black actually. Oh yeah, Doctor Black with a Q. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we've got the driver who drives the van. We just know that he's angry. Yes. Like all the time. Yes, we do. He's just angry. Um. Hey, I'm the driver. <laughs> I just say. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's enough sort of like really interesting characters that we just see just enough of to get interested in, but they're not overused. Like uh, the driver is one of those characters, this misadventure character. Yep. Who. Who was in the B story, right? Yeah. She's in the B story. And it's the only one that comes out of it alive. Kind of ends up reminding you of, um, of Summer Glau in uh, Firefly. <laughs> yeah, well, almost, not entirely, but almost every character in this story is a pastiche. Obviously, yeah. the night-night the who we're never going to see again. No, he's going to be in the next episode. Oh, is he? Yeah, because what happens is oh, they right. take your stuff and then you have to work off your debt in trade. As one of the paybacks, yeah. right. So, <laughs> as a repo man. So, right. All right, well, we'll see him again. But, um, yeah, we've got <laughs> what, a blood pouch, battle pouch. Blood Pouch. Uh, blood Pouch. Yeah, who is just clearly a Liefeld knockoff. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he's, he's even got, like, the goofy headgear that leads to, like, the mullet and the spiky fucking head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Soviet nunchuck, who is <laughs> he's a Russian version of Wolverine, uh, who can barely speak English, and being a 90s hero, Blood Pouch is trying to teach 90s action movie catchphrases to, to the nunchuck, yeah, <laughs> to, to say in battle, like from Blade and the Terminator, and he fucks him up because oh, yeah, he doesn't cause, speak because English. English isn't his first language. Um, and yeah, we've got this Sisquatch, <laughs> supposed to be Sasquatch, but they they spell it differently. Yeah, and, um, and Doctor Black is is clearly just a half shit faced Doctor Strange clone, but he he casts his uh his spells by pointing his finger out and going pew pew pew. <laughs> And and yeah, there's a lot here. I think where the '90s informed the art because there's so much cross hatching, so much cross hatching. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and some of the characters you don't get to spend a lot of time of, like the idea of Jacob Destruction. Yeah. It was a fucking bubble boy. Because but, if his skin comes in contact with the air, he turns into napalm. Yeah, he becomes napalm. That's that's just kind of cool. He, um, he's got to be the gun on the wall for something. Uh, I'm sure that that I'm sure everybody has a plan. There, there's a plan for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the A story of this is a lot of fun. Because, look, if you're going to do a story about superhero repo men, you have to do a Batman pastiche. Yeah. I mean, you have to do it. It's because that idea is awesome. Of course. <laughs> Somebody going to the Batcave and just trucking shit out. And the cover of the book is they're hooking the Batmobile up to a fucking tow truck. Yeah. Um. And then they've got, on the other hand, a, a Tony Stark type character, and that's the one that in the B story, spoilers, is dead. Yeah, but see, and that's where it kind of falls apart to me, because the B story kind of really gets short shrift in this. You you have to have the Batman story. You need to explore it. You need to give that room to breathe, because that's the give me. that That's the hook for getting somebody in on this. Yeah. Is, yeah, Repo Man goes for Batman shit, because what other hero fits perfectly into that yeah maybe iron man but then when you think repo man you're thinking cars you're thinking you know household batman fits yeah with the b story yeah we get misadventure we get exactly one page of battle a few panels of oh jesus they're killing us 
and then yep okay uh i found him but somebody i, I found uh what was his name battery i found battery but somebody already killed him now i, I recognize if you're going to do more than one issue you need to have a hook to get into the next issue Otherwise, you run the risk of people thinking, oh, this is the superhero gag of the month. Yep. And, well, I've already seen you hook up Batman's Batmobile. <laughs> I don't need to see the same thing with Tony Stark. And you need to, to tease that there's going to be something ongoing besides, yep, we're just taking somebody else's shit. See, I, I half wondered if the reason they ran the B-plot the way that they did was because Misadventure is supposed to be such a killing machine that it's better envisioned in your head off screen than anything that they could have done to draw it in, in a way that would have done her justice. Man, your Boston came out there, draw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you possibly have a point, because in one of the aftermath panels, you can see, okay, that's supposed to be Wolverine, that's supposed to be Gambit, and actually bring all of them into it, as opposed to just showing them dead at the end of it. I can kind of see your point, but for me, it, it just felt like it was, yeah, okay, this other thing is going on, and this is... Even though this is really the thing I should be paying attention to, because this will get me into the next issue, yeah, it's just sort of happening over there. And oh, okay, uh, somebody else killed that guy, so I need to care about that for the next issue. Yeah, and it just it it didn't hook me in enough. The overall concept kind of did, so I'll check out another issue. But using that as a here's the reason to check out next month. That what this character who called for help, and I've seen an action for two panels. Yeah. That didn't didn't work for me as well. That's okay. It's new. Yeah, but it's there. There is some really fun stuff in this, and the overall concept is pretty cool. Because yeah, not everybody is Bruce Wayne rich. It's true. Yeah, you know, somebody's got to front the money. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't front the money, somebody's going to come for your shit. That's true. You can't go to Visa for a bat computer. No, no, you can't. No, I, I don't think. Maybe the. Possible. You should check on Amazon. If I could get a back computer, things would be fucking. Different. <laughs> if I could just get a. <laughs> okay, Google, show me where to find a bat computer. <laughs> All I can say with some authority is it's hard enough getting a mortgage for a fucking house. <laughs> I don't think I could do the paperwork to get a repulsor ray. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, there's some fun stuff in this. The concept is kind of fun, and actually. Um, based on sort of a note in the opening page, mm. I Googled, and at least Dr. Black is a, a character who's from a 2013 Dark Horse book called Buzzkill. Which is written by the same Most writer. of the same creative team. Yeah. Uh, one of the writers and the same artist and colorist. Okay. So if this... Did, I will check out the second issue to see if they can hook me with the B plot, which I imagine will become the A plot. The same way they did with this. Yeah. But if they do, that means, okay, well, I can at least get some more of some of these characters someplace else, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's not perfect. You know, certain things could have been done a little bit better. But it's fun. And it's not part of Secret Wars. And that's, that's fucking enough for me to give it a chance <laughs> this week. With everything else going on, keeping track of 30 different titles and, uh, okay, who's worshipping Doctor Doom now? It's and, been a little tricky. And where is Spider-Ham? Yeah. <laughs> He's in Spider, uh, no, not Spider Island, shit. Spider-Verse? Yes, he's in Spider-Verse. And uh, I, it turns out uh, I did not know that I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to see Spider-Ham unmasked. <laughs> but it turns out that's the case. There are some things that are better kept off panel. Yeah. It's, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, it just <laughs> it's even wronger without a mask. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yes, the paybacks definitely worth a shot. No, I agree with you. I I enjoyed this a lot. So if you're looking for something different, then uh, pick this one up. Yes. I remember my pitch for Super Investigation Unit, <laughs> in which I literally wrote probably the entirety of even coherent dialogue that could be in any issue. <laughs> Somebody just buy the idea off me, all right? Because I don't want to have to execute on it. I got too much shit going on. All right. We got anything else? I think that's it. All right. So see, an actual... Uh, how are we doing on time? Uh, hour 25. All right. So an actual mostly full-length episode... We'll continue with a few of them before things inevitably get stuffed into boxes and we need a week or two to get back on our feet. But we will give you fair warning. Exactly. So, all right, unless there's something else. It's plausible deniability. <laughs> I'm for <laughs> this. All right, so don't know where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Well, let's start with Facebook. Um, we've been meaning to do more with all our social media accounts. Clearly, our lives have become busy. We do keep an eye on them. You can certainly message the message us through them. So on Facebook, you can get us at facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. You can find us on Twitter at infinite midlife is our handle. We are on Tumblr. Uh, we are. Yes. Uh, crisis on infinite midlives dot Tumblr dot com. You can always just. Fucking email us. Yeah, you can. Old, old tech, but it works. It Crisis does. on Infinite Midlives at gmail.com. We are on iTunes. If you have found this episode through uh, iTunes, if that's what you use to get your stuff, do us a favor. Throw us a review. Uh, give us a rating. Helps other people find the show. And it's always fun to see what people think about it. Unless you hate it. In which case, just email us and call us dicks. I'm fine <laughs> with that. But... We are on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Did I miss anything? I think that's it. All right. I think that will do it. So this has been episode 87 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Is the cat screaming at us from the door? Yes. <sighs> Again with the Klingons. <laughs>